0: This is 1988 Tops, where every card has a story to tell. Your hosts are David Mckellis and Matt Kuzma. Let's play ball. Welcome back to 1988 Tops. David, what's our card for this week? Our card this week is Joey Cora.
1: Joey Cora, card number 91, second baseman for the San Diego Padres.
0: Okay, Joey Cora. Always great to have a rookie card, but before we get to Joey, we thought it'd be time to do some follow-up on your NFT purchases, David, because as listeners know from following the news, there's been a huge implosion in the crypto market, the NFT market. People who listen to my other podcast about the top NFTs called the Nifty 50 will know that everything's just in the tank. All of the kitties are worthless. The Axie, Infinity, Animals, and Weapons, they're all totally worthless. Most of the so-called art out there is just circling the drain. Bitcoin's down a ton. So we thought we'd check in with you, David, on the Major League Baseball NFTs that you got.
1: As listeners will recall, I spent $50 and I bought one pack of the 2021 MLB Uncut Diamonds Icon Series Opened the pack, got three cards. One was Jason Dominguez, one was Tristan Casas, and one was Xavier Edwards. I sold those three cards for $225.
0: That seemed like a great deal because I'm not convinced any of those three people exist.
1: Right, no, I made those names up. <laughs> uh, N- Yankees fans know that Jason Dominguez is a real player. Whether or not he turns into a real star is another question. Tristan Casas is a Red Sox Prospect and Xavier Edwards is maybe something for the Tampa Bay Rays. So with that $225, rather than do the smart thing, which would be go buy myself some coffee, (laughs) get something nice for my wife and child, I instead bought two more packs of the 2022 leadoff series NFTs. Then this past week, I got a message that, if you bought the leadoff series, they were going to give you two more packs. So really, I ended up getting a couple more packs. I have, I'm basically just opening these and selling them. I, I have a hundred and fifty dollars in my account. I probably should just withdraw it and try to sell all of these off at whatever for whatever I can get. I'm an investor in this, and I believe that the market it's coming back.
0: <laughs> totally coming back.
1: Currently in my collection, I have a. A common John Carlos Stanton, common Dylan Cease, but I have an epic Jonathan India. So mm. the reigning Rookie of the Year, that one's going to get me a cool, I don't know, fifty cents. At one point, I think that it was selling for a hundred and fifty dollars. No longer.
0: If you have a chance to buy a galactically amazing Andy Hawkins, we'd love to. We'd love to see that.
1: <laughs> uh, J Baller NFTs through the roof. <laughs> To the moon.
0: To the moon. Well, thank you, David. Your diamond hands are uh, so impressive when it comes to this. So good job. But now let's go to today's card and Joey Cora. And why did we choose Joey today?
1: I was looking for somebody with a Sabre bio and Joey had a Sabre bio by Alan Cohen. Joey also is a player that I would not have guessed was in the 1988 top set because he Seemed like a young player in the 90s, but he came up and was a rookie in the 88 top set. He later became a fan favorite for the White Sox and an all-star for the Mariners. He overcame an injury that's different than any that we've discussed before on the pod to make it to the big leagues. And he was a pretty good player for a long time.
0: Great. Well, that sounds like a good show to me. So let's go to the front of 91. and We have Joey Cora here in the batter's box. He is a left-handed hitter. Looks like he's just kind of maybe poked one foul on the third baseline, I think. He's a little guy. Looks good, though. This Padres uniform looks good with the pinstripes. Got the stirrups poking out. And then what looks like, are those Asics? Cleats I think he's so. Wearing?
1: This is the first Asics appearance on the podcast. He also is n- number four, and there are four letters in his last name. I don't know mm. if those things are if that's if that's also and, a first
0: and in his first name. So this Ooh. is a it's, a it's a four 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 all the way on this card. looks looks really good. I also really like the eye black that he's got going on. I he he looks very good in this in this shot. Now to the back of ninety one, and we have Joey Cora, second baseman, height five eight, weight one fifty, switch hitter and right handed thrower, drafted by the Padres in the first round of nineteen eighty five. Born May 14th, happy birthday, Joey, 1965. Whoa, it is his birthday. Born May 14th, happy birthday, Joey, in Cahuas, Puerto Rico, with his home in Cahuas, Puerto Rico. Joey
1: was the son of Jose and Iris Cora. The family had two boys and two girls. Joey's younger brother is Red Sox manager Alex Cora. Alex is 10 years younger than Joey. Joey's full name is Jose Manuel Cora Jr. Joey's father was the president of the local Little League, worked for the Sports Recreation Department of Puerto Rico, and later was a scout for the Texas Rangers.
0: Joey went to the Colegio Bautista de Cahuas for high school, and he and Alex are the only two players in baseball reference who were listed from that school, so we don't have any other alumni to share with you.
1: Joey was scouted out of high school But he was a really good student and his parents wanted him to go to college. He finished with a nearly perfect 4.0 GPA. He said the only reason I didn't get the 4.0 is because of the B I got in Christian education. And the reason I got the B was we had to go to chapel every Thursday and I didn't go.
0: I can relate to this given where I went to college, I had the same issue.
1: It did not hinder his future earning potential in this case it also didn't hinder his future education potential his family wanted him to enroll in college so he went to the university of puerto rico but he continued to play american legion ball and that gave him an opportunity to play in the united states and he was able to showcase his skills at a tournament in ohio vanderbilt university's coach saw joey and offered him a scholarship one slight problem joey didn't speak much english but as we've established he's a really good student So he learned English in that first year at Vanderbilt. He had a 3.5 GPA his first semester. He was a math major at Vanderbilt and apparently was a, a very good student along with being a very good baseball player.
0: And that leads to the fun fact on the back of the card that Joey attended Vanderbilt University, Nashville, Tennessee, and was member of 1984 Olympic baseball team. I don't think that's
1: true. Yeah, 1984 was his sophomore year. I looked through the U.S. uh, Olympic team guide, and Joey was not on the U.S. Olympic team. I looked at information about Puerto Rico at the 1984 Olympics, and they also didn't have a baseball team at the Olympics. So unless he was playing to qualify, but I haven't found any information that shows Joey Cora playing for the Puerto Rico national team in 1984. So I don't know... Is this perhaps the first false fun fact?
0: I don't know, David. We're going to have to call in the Mythbusters on this one.
1: Yeah, so if we have any Puerto Rico Olympic baseball team experts out there or somebody with a better Google Translate than mine or who actually speaks Spanish, let me know. I'd be interested to see what team he was playing for because... Even on the expanded roster of the U.S. team that included a lot of college players, Joey wasn't listed. And we've talked about that 1984 U.S. Olympic team before with Mark McGuire, Oda B. McDowell, Mike Dunn, and others. So this is a perhaps false fun fact.
0: Mm, mm. We've had unfun facts. We've had lots of unfun facts, but we have yet to have a fun unfact Or an unfun unfact. So we need your help. If you have any information about this, you can email us at 1988topspodcast at gmail.com.
1: Joey was really good for Vanderbilt in 1984. And then that summer, he went to play in the Cape Cod League, where he was the league MVP for Chatham, finishing second in the league in batting. So probably further evidence that he wasn't doing much national team play. He was off playing in the Cape Cod League. He went back to Vanderbilt in 1985, hit 403 and stole 51 bases. He was All-SEC at shortstop and SEC All-Scholastic team due to his continued academic success.
0: And that leads us to fun fact number two, that Joey was signed as a first-round draft selection with the San Diego Padres June 5th, 1985, by scout Bill McKeon.
1: Bill McKeon was a minor league catcher, later a scout in the Royals and Padres system, and brother of future Padres manager Jack McKeon.
0: Joey was the Padres' first pick, 23rd overall, and it was a compensatory pick from the Yankees for signing Ed Whitson. So that's a very important detail to know. He was selected right after Rafael Palmero, who himself was a compensatory pick to the Cubs from the Padres. Joey signed with an $80,000 signing bonus and went to work right away in Spokane, hitting three twenty four in 43 games his first season.
1: He injured his knee in a collision at second base, and that required an off-season surgery. He recovered and was promoted to Beaumont to play for the Golden Gators in the Texas League. Mm. And during that season, his father was battling cancer, so Joey had a few breaks in action here. He went to spend some time in Puerto Rico with his dad and his dad would ultimately recover from that initial cancer scare. When he returned to Beaumont, Joey said his head wasn't really in the right place. An indication of that was that on June 21st, 1986, Joey and a couple teammates had just finished a game against the San Antonio Missions. They went outside to wait for the team bus because the locker room didn't have air conditioning. Some fans of the other team approached Joey and his teammate and started taunting them. Words were exchanged. These guys left and decided to come back with 10 or so friends. There was some more back and forth and comments. And Joey, perhaps because his head wasn't in the right place, didn't back down. And even though they were wildly outnumbered, a fight broke out. And in the course of that altercation, Joey was stabbed twice and he received emergency surgery to repair his small intestine. According to Sandy Alomar Jr., who was also on that Beaumont team, he said the doctor told me if the stab was two inches lower, Joey's probably dead. In news reports, the team said Joey would be out six weeks,
0: which seems like a pretty short period of time for a stab wound. It led to him only playing 81 games for Beaumont that season in 1986, but he still hit 305. And learned a tough life lesson. He later told Bill Platchkey, that taught me a good lesson about minding your own business and keeping a low profile. It really affected me for a long time. I see Stanley Jefferson fighting with Larry Boa the next year, and I think, forget it. So apparently he learned to stay out of the scuffles. And after
1: that adversity, he impressed in spring training the next year and made the opening day roster. He started opening day and got two hits. He was a starting second baseman for 54 games as a rookie. And as we alluded to before, he didn't maybe get along too well with manager Larry Boa. Boa was particularly tough on young players. Another guy on that team was John Cruck, who said the problem with Larry was he didn't know who he could yell at and who he couldn't. Some guys will take the yelling as a positive and work harder. Others just say, I don't have to take that crap. Joey was particularly impressionable with some of the yelling from Larry Boa, and it it didn't help him out. He was hitting only 234 through June 4th, and then he was sent to the minors. Boa didn't appreciate Joey's defense. He had made some errors, and he was particularly critical of his young second baseman, and it really weighed on Joey, and he said, Larry said so much all the time. I did not want to come to the ballpark. When I got there, I didn't want to be there. I got so down and lonely, I went home every night and tried to cook to help me forget. And there was a perception that he was, was not
0: cooperative,
1: wasn't taking the advice of coaches, and he just said, they're trying to teach me a new way, but I think too much. It doesn't come natural to me. If I go to the minors, I've got to practice, practice until it becomes natural. And so he ends up going back to AAA, hitting two seventy six over 81 games, he got a September call up, played 22 more games for the Padres, finished the year with a 237 average. Kind of a disappointing experience for him as a rookie dealing with a manager who didn't seem to
0: appreciate him. Looking in the November Beckett from 1988, this card was valued at 15 cents. So for a rookie card, decent, but not extravagant. Hard to tell at this point if Joey Cora is a future star type of prospect. But David, we know that he ended up with a very long career in Major League Baseball. So I assume that he had a great line in 1988, right? Unfortunately, he
1: had off-season surgery. Larry Boa decided that he needed some more time in AAA. And then Boa got fired. And that didn't actually help Joey get back to the majors in 88. He spent all of that season in AAA and then all but 12 games of 1989 at Las Vegas. He hit 297 and then 310 at AAA, but he did make 24 errors at second base in both seasons. He was a PCL All Star in 1989 and had a 37 game hitting streak, and that helped him earn that late season call up for 12 games.
0: In 1990, it was pretty rough for him. He bounced back and forth between San Diego and Las Vegas, but the Padres manager was now Jack McKeon. So maybe that McKeon magic that had, that had helped scout him and find him would help him in the majors later. He played 51 games in Vegas and 51 games in the majors, hitting two seventy in the big leagues and three fifty one at AAA. And one notable game, he was the emergency catcher for the last two innings of a game when both the team's catchers got injured.
1: Recently, in the 2022 season, there was an incident where an emergency catcher was called into service, and it really didn't go great. So sorry to Pirates' Josh Van Meter. Van Meter was forced to take over behind the plate in the eighth inning of a 2-2 game. While Van Meter was in, he had to catch 50 pitches in his one inning, and the Pirates gave up seven runs. While Cora didn't have as bad a game as Josh Van Meter did, he didn't have any errors, but the Padres were losing 3-2 to at the beginning of his time behind the plate and ended up losing 6-2. to He wasn't a big target, five eight, one fifty, 150, but there was only one wild pitch, so a decent job blocking the plate in a tough situation for Joey.
0: In the offseason before 1991, Joey had an ankle injury, but it healed in time for spring training. The Padres were looking for pitching and he was traded to the White Sox with Kevin Garner and the Deacon, Warren Newsom for pitchers Adam Peterson and Steve Rosenberg.
1: And Joey was disappointed to leave San Diego. He said, this is the team I've always been with. They made my family happy. I've been through a lot with these guys. I love them very much, but life goes on and you have to do what you have to do. But he never really got a consistent shot with the Padres. And he ended up kind of stepping into the same role with the White Sox. He was a role player those first couple seasons and also dealt with some injuries, where it seemed like every time he would get on track, a small injury would slightly derail him. In 1991, he hit 241 and had a knee injury. And then in 1992, the Sox signed a big-time free agent, Saxy Boy, Steve Sax, who was coming in to take over as the starting second baseman. And that limited Joey's playing time to only 68 games.
0: Yeah, he only hit two forty-six in 1992. But at this point, Cora was embracing the backup role. I'm just the kind of player who's going to be there doing what I did last season, be a backup, work hard. They call you, go and do the job. That'll be my role. I really enjoy it. Wherever they put me, I'll go after it hard. Whatever they ask me to do, I'll be ready. So a pretty good attitude for what might have been a very frustrating situation for others.
1: And speaking of frustrations, as we discussed in the Steve sacks episode, by Steve's second season with the White Sox, he was benched due to poor performance. Joey Cora steps in, and 1993 he had a pretty good year, and it was also a good year for the White Sox. He played 153 games for the AL West champs, and he hit his first two major league home runs. It was his sixth major league season, and he had never hit a home run before, and he hit two.
0: Yeah, 13 triples and 20 steals that year as well, and often hitting in front of Frank Thomas in his first MVP season, so he got on base a lot, got a lot of good pitches, and scored 95 runs. A decent offensive second baseman when finally given a chance to play every day, and had an offensive war of 3.3.
1: Defense, however, was still an issue. As a White Sox fan, I recall Joey Cora being a guy who would dive around the field, make Good flips to second base to to finish a double player. You know, he was a good, exciting player. I didn't necessarily think of him as a bad second baseman, but looking at some of the metrics now, he wasn't great. He was athletic and a good double play partner with Ozzie Guillen, but he made a lot of errors. His 19 were the most among AL second basemen. The Sox made the playoffs for the first time since 1983, but Cora only hit 136 as the White Sox lost to Toronto in the ALCS.
0: The strike-shortened 1994 season ended the Sox's run at the playoffs and... Prematurely ended a decent season for Joey, too. He had an average over 300 from June 1st through August, but then the season ended in August, and Joey went into free agency. And he ends up signing with
1: the Mariners and started a pretty solid run in Seattle as their starting second baseman. And we've spent a lot of time talking about bad Mariners teams, but Joey's arrival coincided with a big year for Seattle, and this Mariners team had Ken Griffey Jr., Edgar Martinez randy johnson jay Buner, and a very young alex rodriguez was also a rookie on this team
0: yeah they lost griffey to a wrist injury in may but by mid-august when he came back they're still about 500 but 12 and a half games out of first place they went on a huge run and heading into the last weekend of the season they're up two games on the angels so from 12 and a half back to up two just in the span of six weeks.
1: This team was called the Refuse to Lose Mariners. Unfortunately, they lost both of their last two games. The Angels won their last two, setting up a one-game division-deciding playoff game. And Cora, in that season, hit 297 with 18 steals. In the field, he again led AL second baseman in errors. He continued his good run in the playoff play-in game, he had three good at-bats, helping the Mariners to a 9-1 to win. A single, he was hit by a pitch, scored a run, and then drove in a run on a sacrifice fly to help the Mariners make it to the playoffs for the first time in their team's history.
0: And their reward for winning the division was a trip to the Bronx to play the Yankees. Yankees won games one and two. The Mariners won game three. And then Joey had a very impressive game four and five. In a game four victory, he went two for four and scored two runs. Both of them bunt singles. And then in the deciding game five, he had a home run in the third inning. Always rare for Joey, but that was a big one. The game went to extra innings. And the Yankees had a 5-4 lead going into the bottom of the 11th.
1: Against former White Sox teammate Black Jack McDowell, Joey led off the inning with a bunt single. He successfully avoided a tag from Don Mattingly for his third bunt single in two games. After a single by Ken Griffey Jr., Edgar Martinez doubles both of those guys home and Seattle advances to the ALCS.
0: Unfortunately in the ALCS, the Mariners lost four games to two against Cleveland. Joey only hit 174 in that six-game series. But the town was behind them after losing game six at home in front of a sellout crowd at the Dome, there was an iconic image of joey being consoled by a 20-year-old a-rod in the dugout and the crowd just refused to leave the mariners returned to the field for an emotional encore and a really uplifting the city after many years of disappointment
1: this team helped to grow baseball fandom in seattle they had a pretty good run between 1995 and 2001, making the playoffs four times in that short stretch. That emotional moment of Joey and that image in the dugout became a, a famous image both of his career and of the disappointment of the end of this season. But going into the 1996 season, Joey is a, a pretty fun guy, and he, I think, was able to, to take the joke of, of his own, maybe overly emotional state at the end of that game. And there was a 1996 commercial heading into the season that made light of that.
0: Joy, are you okay?
1: It hurts so much to lose. We played so hard, we came so close.
0: Yeah, I know, I know. Don't take it so hard, Joy. So do you think I'm overreacting? yeah just a little it's only the third game of spring training the
1: 1996 seattle mariners you gotta love these guys
0: i like that ad he's not taking himself too seriously although the mariners didn't make it to the postseason in 96 they finished in second place and joey had another good year he hit 291 with 37 doubles And in 1997, the Mariners were back to being division champs.
1: And Joey was a big part of it. He had career highs in batting average, doubles, home runs, and RBIs. He was a 300 hitter for the first full season of his career and had 11 home runs. And for Joey, that's a big power year. He had a Mariners record that season as well with a 24-game hitting streak in May. That record's since been broken, but a really good run for Joey. Over that stretch, he hit an outstanding 475. Although he didn't get a hit in his 25th game, he was walked, and that continued his on-base streak. That streak extended another 12 games.
0: He also made the All-Star game that year for the first time in his career. His teammates were very excited for him. Ken Griffey Jr. saying, we were all asked if if Joey Cora was an all-star, and we all said he deserves to go. He's worked hard at this sport. He's a quiet player, but he's a spark plug. It is fun to just watch him every day diving for balls and hustling. And Joey was really excited by the news, too. He said, I get excited when I play a regular season game, but an all-star game, this is it. Until you're here, you don't understand There's no way I would trade this for anything. He made his mark on that game as well. Made a great play on a ground ball to rob Tony Gwynn of a hit. Mariners end up winning their division again that year. Joey playing in the ALDS, but he wasn't really a factor. He went three for 17 as the Red Sox took that series three games to one.
1: 1998 was the last year of Joey's contract. The Mariners fell out of contention and decided to try to get something in return for the now 33-year-old Joey Cora. They traded him to Cleveland for infielder David Bell. Cora played 24 games at the end of that season as Cleveland won the AL Central. And then he had a forgettable playoff experience. He went 0-for-10 in the ALDS. Cleveland still moved into the ALCS against the Yankees. And Joey went 1-for-9 in two games against the Yankees. At the end of that season, he was a free agent. He signed for Toronto, but after a few exhibition games, he decided to retire at age 33, just a season removed from that all-star season.
0: So closing the book on Joey Cora, 11 seasons in the majors with over a thousand hits, a 277 average and a career OPS plus of 90. Really a contact hitter, often in the top 10, in at-bats per strikeout and sacrifice hits and did make the All-Star game that one time in 1997. How about a retirement?
1: Joey managed in the minor league systems of the Cubs, Mets, and Expos. And then in 2004, his friend and old double-play partner, Ozzie Gian, hired him as a third base coach for the White Sox. He was in that role when the White Sox won the 2005 World Series. He was moved to bench coach in 2007 and stayed in that role until 2011, when Guillen was fired as White Sox manager. And then, when Guillen was hired by the Marlins, he went to the Marlins as their bench coach. After a couple seasons out of coaching, after Guillen was fired from the from Florida, Joey was back with the Pirates, managing their AA team, and he worked his way back up to the big leagues as third base coach for Pittsburgh. Spent five seasons in that role until he was dismissed in 2021 only to be hired by the Mets to start the 2022 season so he's been all over the place as a third base coach is pretty well respected as a third base coach and his one dream though is to be a major league manager he said my dream always when I was little was to be a big league manager and so his younger brother achieved that and maybe one day Joey will as well after all of this experience as a third base coach
0: so, what do we think about Joey Cora? Obviously, he's a player that you had remembered fondly from his time with the White Sox as a player and manager. But what do we think after digging in a little bit deeper? Watching the White Sox
1: in the early 90s, he was always little Joey Cora. He looked little, <laughs> especially <laughs> at second base compared to 6'5 Frank Thomas at first base. You have 5'7 Joey Cora. And as a kid, You see this guy, and you see him diving all over the place, and it's really easy to like him. I have fond memories of him for what I saw as gutsy defense, bunting, some speed, slap hitting, the kind of player that, as a not incredibly athletic young person, that I could see myself, I could do that. He made some exciting plays, and he made some plays that looked difficult on the field, but he didn't make a lot of plays and he made a lot of errors. Since 1871, 234 players have played more than 600 games at second base. Joey has the 14th worst career defensive war among those guys, a minus 4.4 career defensive war. But that doesn't really change my opinion of him. He was capable of making really great athletic plays He may have had a lot of errors, but I don't really remember those as well as the diving stops and flips to second base to start a double play. He also had a remarkable story. He was a great student at Vanderbilt. This is something that I don't remember from any White Sox telecast that you have a guy who learned English on the fly, studied math at a top university while playing baseball, and dedicated himself to learning English to succeed in the classroom, succeed on the field, and also overcome a knife attack, to get back to baseball. He had a really good career after what could have been a real tragedy. And he was part of some important teams for the White Sox and Mariners. And teams that are important in the minds of White Sox fans and Mariners fans. I think of him fondly both for what I saw on the field, but also knowing that he was part of the first playoff team that I remember. And then part of the 2005 championship. For Seattle fans, that 1995 team was huge. Joey, of course, wasn't Ken Griffey or Randy Johnson, but that was the first playoff team. The refuse to lose team helped create a new generation of Mariners fans, and for at least a little while swept away that perception of the team as losers. It's now been 21 seasons since the Mariners made the playoffs. Joey was on half of the playoff teams that have ever played in Mariners history. I think that he is fondly remembered for his contributions to both the White Sox and the Seattle Mariners, if maybe his defensive statistics don't hold up over time. He was a fun player, and this is a a neat card. And also a different story from the guys who were young in 1988, who then went on to long careers. A lot of those aren't fun to talk about, because we get into the 90s and we get into performance enhancing drugs and we get into things that just aren't fun for us to talk about Joey Cora it's like you know he's a a tiny second baseman like yeah maybe if he had hit 50 home runs this wouldn't have been fun to talk about but he's (laughs) always was a, a tiny slap hitting guy made some errors and was able to laugh about his own mistakes and his own incidences on the field as well
0: so fun player and a good story so thank you David for that and thank you to you at home if you've ever been airdropped a crate of bored apes or crypto punks we'd love to hear from you on twitter we're at tops 1988 thanks a lot and we'll see you next week